Welcome to Low on the Go, a podcast about all things on the go. This podcast will start off mostly in the travel space, but I'm definitely not trying to niche down too hard too fast. My goal is basically to encourage a life full of energy, exploration, and adventure. And honestly, I want people to feel a little less alone in the world. However, all of this may look in podcast form. I'll be talking about travel, on-the-go recipes, and taking care of your brain. So yeah, that means some mental health shit. And probably more. A little about me, I'm a 20-whatever-year-old who has traveled to just over 20 countries and has lived in four cities. I've learned a ton about the best way to pack for airplanes, how to travel cheaply but still be bougie as fuck, and I've met a lot of people along the way who know a lot more than I do, and thank God they've offered to be on this podcast. I hope you listen and leave feeling inspired and equipped to take risks, chase your dreams, and stay on the go. Until next time, XL Low. excited about this episode because Lauren is honestly like my travel big sister and I've learned a really large portion of what I know about traveling and have been so inspired to travel um, and just inspired by the person that Lauren is uh, in my life and in my 20s. So um, before diving into things, uh, welcome back to Low on the Go. This is going to be episode three Um, This is a travel podcast. It's uh, figuring your shit out in your 20s or 30s or whatever kind of a podcast. I like healthy eating. I like solo traveling. And I want everybody else to feel encouraged to live a life that's full of adventure and exploration. So honestly, like I'm not I'm not even I don't know what to even say because I'm so excited (laughs) and overwhelmed to have Lauren on this podcast. You're so Um, (laughs) just a little bit about Lauren Um, we met when I lived in Seattle we worked at the same company we were on the same team Uh, Lauren is a graphic designer an extremely talented graphic designer and um, actually we we followed kind of a similar path when it came to our studies we went to the same university and we studied the same major and um, yeah (laughs) which is kind of crazy go dogs dogs <laughs> um and lauren has lived in multiple cities in the united states she's taken a few longer term trips uh she lived in rome and studied abroad in rome lived in south africa morocco portugal and spain she's worked abroad she's done freelance she's worked um in you know in larger companies i think you're in like a larger company or a startup kind of vibes right now yeah yeah a larger tech company okay Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, some things in common as per usual. Uh, macarons, duh. We like to dance our booties off to reggaeton. <laughs> <laughs> you were my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My festival sister. We love our music festivals. Um, she's a cancer because I have to throw in the Zodiac stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just overall one of the most sparkly kind just generous um people super well traveled uh so easy to just connect with and super well spoken so um three minutes of ranting and raving over lauren uh hi lauren thank you for being on this podcast i love you (laughs) i love you thanks for having me i'm so excited i love 
practicing what you do. You're always doing the most and just going for it. And you're so inspiring to me. And you brought so much sparkle and life into our mundane corporate job. And I'm so glad it brought us together. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm so, so grateful for the time in Seattle and the time with that company because, um, I mean, we're, we were just talking about how, you know, we met like five or six years ago and I, I love the friends that, that stay in your life and continue to inspire you. And like mm-hmm. I said, Lauren's kind of been, um, an inspiration, a big sister, somebody that I've looked up to in, in multiple ways. So, um, we're going to focus on travel today, of course. Uh, and kind of before we, we dive in um, into all of your, you know, into studying in Rome, into to traveling around to different countries, living in uh, a few different countries per month with remote year. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a about how you got into traveling? Like, I know that you travel a lot with your sister, Kate, and um, like, were you raised with super adventurous parents? Just a little bit of background on how you got into everything. Yeah, well, my whole dad's side is from Florida and my whole mom's side's from California. So I guess just kind of seeing family traveling a lot growing up. But my first time overseas was to Italy. I was in either seventh or eighth grade in junior high. And so that was really my first experience, you know, seeing a different culture. And it was really cool because it was Christmas time. And so that was my first time in Europe, first time in Italy. Mm. And I really got to like experience Christmas in, I mean, this sounds like cheesy, but like the true meaning of Christmas, like seeing what it's like not in the States where it's not so commodified. And um, it was really, really about, you know, family and we saw a live nativity scene and we ate Christmas dinner at this Italian family's house who spoke no English and we spoke no Italian, you know, you just (laughs) feel the the family vibe and the energy. And so that really opened my eyes. And so I'm so grateful to my parents for, for taking us abroad when we were so young. And then um, the next year we went to Spain and then the following year we went back to Italy again during Christmas. And so um, we traveled a lot during the holidays and it was always really cool. And I think a lot of my friends didn't really understand it at the time. Like, why are you going to Europe for Christmas? But I will never, like, never forget those experiences. And um, Italy has such a special place in my heart because it was my first my first trip. And I've been back a lot since. Totally. European Christmas hits different. I've never done, yeah. <laughs> I've never done Christmas in, in Italy, but it sounds like it would be such a lovely experience with so many delicious foods and maybe a little warmer than it is like in Seattle or the northern United States. Yeah, in Italy it was cold-ish but not snowing. Um, okay. Was- I, I've only ever been to Italy in the winter and I've heard the summer it's like crazy hot but mm. um, I just love Italy at any any time of year. But yeah, I, I do think like going to see Christmas in you know another country really really helps like open your your eyes and and give you a different perspective on how people celebrate and what like family means and what's important you know like it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so cool that you were just, your family brought you to Europe at, at a young age. And that definitely, you know, instilled a, a kind of sense of almost global citizenship in you from, from a young age. And, mm-hmm. um, and your, your sister as well. Will you tell us a little bit about kind of like your trips with Kate and when you started traveling together and you guys continue to now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that really like 
sparked my love for travel. And, you know, I'm a, I was a journalism major at UW. So I really just have like natural curiosity. I love hearing about people's stories. I love just experiencing new things and, and forming my own opinions and seeing, seeing things myself. And so I think, you know, that really instilled um, that curiosity in me to see the rest of the world. And so um, I returned to Italy my senior year at UW to study abroad in Rome. It was amazing. It was three months in Rome. I mean, I really think study abroad is like the best thing you can do in college. I think college in itself is such a great way to experience a different city, but studying abroad in college with a group of people, it's, I mean, it's the best experience you can have. So um, I did that. And then after study abroad, I traveled around the UK a little bit um, with some friends from study abroad. So that was really cool. And then after I graduated UW, my sister and I went on a backpacking trip through Asia and the South Pacific for about three months. And so that was a really, really fun backpacking trip with my sister, Kate. We had, you know, the time of our lives. I mean, that was also super, super cool. And um, yeah, so many fun experiences from that. We, um, you know, we stayed with a lot of friends of friends along the way and kind of did our own thing in some places. There's a lot of hostels and... Mm -hmm. Uh, you really realize how little you need when you're back when you're backpacking. I mean, I had one backpack and I felt like it was too much at some points. So wow, really? Yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of it was hard to pack for in some places. <laughs> I remember when we were in Singapore, we had no like fancy clothes, right? We just had like backpacker clothes and Singapore is like, the most expensive city in the world. And so there's, <laughs> we had like nothing to wear. But it's uh, so bougie. <laughs> it's so bougie. Yeah, we were with randomly we had a friend there that actually Kate went to high school with and so we were like staying with him and his friends and they were all like lawyers and expats and really really high up people so that was cool totally so educated wow yeah so that was like a really cool backpacking experience and um yeah and then I did remote year so I feel like I've had a but a few different long-term travels in my life and totally different styles like one was study abroad one was backpacking and then one was um, being with a big group of people at a month in each city so that's actually such a good that's such a good point I didn't even think about that wow okay I'm gonna learn so much from you and (laughs) everybody else's because I mean so I I studied abroad as well and my study abroad experience was a little bit different from yours um, because you went you went through a UW program, so you were studying with other UW students, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, my study abroad program was a little bit longer. It was a semester, and Lauren's was a quarter. Um, yeah. And so, like, I had to get a visa because as an American citizen, you can only stay in Europe for ninety days, and I believe that you didn't have you did not have to get a visa because you were there for around ninety days, right? Correct. Yeah, I think we well three months, so I think we were there just underneath the Schengen zone so we didn't have to okay okay nice that's um Mm -hmm. I highly suggest staying in Europe for a long time if you study abroad but the visa process is not it's another podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so it's called yeah like the Schengen zone so most of the places that you would travel in Europe are within that zone and that is you can go for 90 up to 90 days on tourism um beyond 90 days you need you get you need to get a visa and so after that you would have to um leave the zone for a certain amount of days before you can come back or Mm -hmm. get like a worker's visa or like a longer term visa 
exactly exactly yeah and with some countries like if you go to costa rica it's the same you have to you can only be there for 90 days but you can leave and go to like panama for a day or two and come back and it resets yeah. where in in uh in the eu so in the Shenyan zone that you were talking about lauren mm-hmm. it's you have to leave i think it's a cumulative six months so if you are there for 90 days then you need to leave for 90 days. So it's six months in total. And then you can go back. Yeah. I remember there was something like that when we were in Asia and there was um, this woman who lived in Bali and she was just literally flying to Singapore and back just to like have her like stamps, you know? And so she wasn't even like going to do anything. She was just going to like touch down and go right back on (laughs) to the plane. So there's little loopholes like that, but um, (laughs) yeah, Europe makes it pretty easy to travel short term, which is great. True. Yeah. It's super easy to travel around Europe and um, yeah, easy and and inexpensive. Um, But wow, this is going to be so good to hear from you about, you know, because studying abroad, you you go with like a couple of suitcases full of clothing. And if you're there, you know, more than one season. So if you go autumn semester, you're going to kind of catch the end of summertime. So it'll be nice and balmy. But then you're usually there, you know, October, November, December when it gets really cold really quickly. So yeah. Um, a couple suitcases of clothing there. If you're backpack- backpacking Southeast Asia, like you said, it's just going to be a backpacker's backpack. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. All the different kinds. And I love your packing hacks, like all of your travel tips. I was like, damn, I should have learned these before. Like, these are so <laughs> helpful. <laughs> so, no, I appreciate yeah. error. I'm not, I'm trying to give the least amount of money to spirit and to Ryanair as is humanly possible. Oh my God. I know Ryanair is a whole nother strategy. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're almost worse than spirit, to be honest. Yeah. They're just like blasting advertisements the whole time. (laughs) Oh, weird. I'm like, just please land the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's so cheap. I guess that's another thing. It's like factoring in the cost of paying for a bag is because you know you'll see online sometimes these flights look so cheap it's like 80 euro or even less but then mm-hmm. you have to pay like 50 to check your bag so sometimes it's not even worth doing that so a little tidbit yeah a hundred percent which is uh you know a good time to add in I have the best travel backpack ever I've traveled for like five days in this backpack and it can fit under the seat in front of you so I'm going to put mm. a link tree in my Instagram because it's the best backpack that's, literally ever. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to look that uh, up. <laughs> I will send you the link after this. Yes, please. <laughs> of course. Okay, so study abroad. Going back to that, were you, um, were you like a sophomore or a junior when you went? I was a senior. So I was, it was my last year of college but it was really competitive at UW in the communications program um they only accepted like 30 people and you know there's so many people that want to do it so I applied my junior year I didn't get it I was devastated and then I had one more chance my senior year to do it and I remember when I got accepted I just like cried I was just like I crumbled and I cried and I was like yes and so um, (laughs) I got to do it my senior year which was great and it was like the winter so I still had my spring last semester at UW or at last quarter at UW so that was great and um it was so cool too because at graduation since I was in the comm program like it was all my study abroad friends graduating together and we had just had this amazing Mm -hmm. experience together and this is so crazy but I actually met a few people 
from UW that studied abroad like the other day here in San Francisco. I'm in San Francisco and I met like some people that did that same program. I was like, oh my God. What? That's so random. It was so crazy. We were talking about like poetry and then they were talking about their professor and how they like studied poetry when they studied abroad in Rome. And I was like, oh, I studied abroad in Rome too, but at UW. And they were like, well, we went to UW. And I was like, what? Isn't that crazy? That's wild. I, I love that though, because it, it like, I met someone recently that went to, he didn't study in Lyon, but he's been there. And when you meet people that, I mean, studied in the same program as you or spent a good amount of time in that city, you can just bond over the types of food that you had. Or if there's, you know, a locals cafe that everybody goes to, or like you said, the poetry that you studied or the professor that you had. And that's, Absolutely. It, it like it like transports you back there and helps you remember all of the amazing things that you experienced absolutely it, it's just those lasting memories and those experiences that are just priceless totally 100 percent. oh that's so cool yeah that was a great yeah that was a great experience I, I i would say if you can study abroad definitely do it take advantage um, I think it was comparable in price to what we paid anyways in the quarter system. So at least at UW, it was, you know, not any more expensive than just going to a normal, normal semester. Oh, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. So like if people are, if, if any like college or high school students are listening into this and you want to study abroad, um, and you look at your, your university study abroad programs, this one at least, and I think the one that I did as well it costs basically the same to study in a different country um, as it did to, to stay in, you know, the States at your university. So it's Mm -hmm. only a quarter, it's only a semester. Like Lauren said, you're not going to regret it. And if you're worried about finances, there are a lot of different scholarships and things like that. If you're, you know, if you're able to cover the quarter by itself at Seattle or wherever, um, you know, it's going to cost around the same. So that's a really good point. Yeah. And I know that it's, you know, there's, you're so busy, you're, you're working towards your major, you're, there's so much going on in college, but just trust me, like it's the best thing to do. I know there's so many reasons not to, and I know it's, it can be scary and it can be overwhelming, but like, you will not, you will not regret it. And you can have your parents come visit, you can have your friends come mm-hmm. visit. It's, it's such a good, good way to be with, uh, with your community and get to know people a lot better. And I mean, you become family with them, you know, they're your family forever. Yeah. Yes, that's that's so true. When you go and you and you meet people and you just have to be in the flow of that that place, whether it's other students that you study with or like if you stay with like a host family or something like that. Mm-hmm. You, I, I was talking with Gwen um, on a, an earlier podcast about how I stayed with these uh, these two groups of people, someone that I, I worked with at the company that Lauren and I worked at um, and then a cousin of a friend. And it was kind of a a nerve-wracking situation but I would not give up that situation for the world because these people are like my family now like one of them had a baby and they call me like the fake aunt (laughs) so cute (laughs) so cute well that's a great way to do it like we didn't have the option for the homestays, um, but we had the option to either stay in the Rome Center, which is where all of our classes were, or to stay in a neighborhood. And I stayed in a neighborhood and it was like the farthest away from the school. So I had to commute in the morning, but like it was the most beautiful walk ever over the river. And I would highly suggest if you can to stay 
in a neighborhood if instead of in your in your building because it wasn't as convenient but you get that local feel and you get to live in a different you know city and neighborhood throughout your time it was awesome yeah so so this would be like um living in a dorm versus living in an apartment and you chose the apartment Exactly. So it was like in where the classes were, it was called the UW Rome Center. And there was a few apartments in that building. And so you could live there if you wanted, or you could live a a few, you know, a little walk away in an apartment. And so that's what I did. Okay. Okay, cool. That's, that's really awesome. And I feel like you'd have more of a kind of um, like a less Americanized experience in an actual Roman apartment. Did you, um, did you have roommates and around how much did you, you know, pay for your, your rent? How did you find it? Was it difficult to find or did you have help you? Um, I had one roommate, but it was through the program. So like the program set it up for you. So you could either opt in for like living in the building or in an apartment in a different neighborhood. So I opted in for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that one a little bit more expensive than living in the Rome Center or were they about the same? I think it was the same. I think it all was in, within the same like package price for the whole study abroad. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That That's amazing that, that you'd have coordinated that. It was amazing. It's so cool too. Cause people who go to Italy now are like, I love trust every, I love the trust every neighborhood. I was just talking to my boss about that. He just went there and I was like, that's where I lived when I studied abroad in trust every, it was so beautiful. And then the classes were in the Campo dei Fiori. So I would walk across the bridge and walk to class, get my little orange from the market, get my, coffee oh the best well yeah so tell us about if tell us about like a day in the life of roman low lauren roman low <laughs> it feels like such a it feels like a lifetime ago it feels like so long ago <laughs> it's also really cool too because i had been to italy twice before that and had mm. been to a lot of these places before there was a store owner who remembered me from when i went with my family no. it's like those are the types of things that like make my heart full you know like Actually, someone remembered me from years ago, but it, it does feel like so long ago. I will tell you, the classes were so much better than just taking class at UW. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. had like a wine tasting course, and then we had Italian <laughs> classes, and our final project was like to pair wine and cheese and make up this like restaurant. It was so much fun. It was, it was the best. And um, besides that, we did uh, weekend trips. So like every weekend, we traveled somewhere else. I went to Barcelona, Amsterdam. Paris, other places in Italy. So that's also a great opportunity. Cool. Were were those those plans, were they organized by UW as well? Or did you just make friends in your group and you guys plan trips? We plan them on our own. Okay. Yeah. We, we plan those side trips on our own. They were usually really cheap because you could just get like a Ryanair flight and we all split a hotel room or whatever. Um, and then some of the other times when we went down other places in Italy, we just took the train. So it was really easy. Yeah, the train in Italy is, is so nice. All of the trains within all of the different countries actually are, they usually run very on time and they go to all sorts of different cities and the train system in Europe is just, it's so advanced. It's amazing. It's so convenient. It's great. You can make so many little stops. You don't have to worry about your luggage as much. Like it doesn't have to be packed super perfect. You can do overnight trains and sleep. Yeah, it's such a great way to travel. I love the trains in Europe. Did you do the Europass at all? Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't I don't remember if I did that when I studied abroad. 
I don't think so. But there was a similar thing in Japan. It was called, oh gosh, I forget what it was called actually, like the rail pass, but similar to that. And you can take the train um, for a certain amount of days before it expires. Did you do that in Europe? I did not do that. No, okay. no, I didn't. But I, I know a couple people that did and they had a really positive experience. Nice. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to look into that. Because if I spent a longer time in Europe again, I would probably take trains more than planes if I could, because then you don't have to go to the airport and deal with all that. True. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of my favorite parts about taking the train is that you you go through the countryside and you see yeah. it's it's just it's beautiful and it's peaceful. It's like out of the movies and you, yeah. just, you read your book and it's very smooth and nice and it's yeah. just gorgeous. Yes, I totally agree. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, now I, I'm super, honestly, I think I'm the most excited to talk about remote year Uh, (laughs) because I think a lot of people that are listening really have a travel bug, especially given, I mean, the last few years, everything with COVID people starting to work remote and now everything kind of starting to open up again people want to travel and they want to have a remote job and they even maybe are getting a little bit potentially sick of like an eight to five and are wanting to try freelancing or you know there's I feel like things are just kind of like loosening up when it comes to the traditional path that people take graduating college going to going to corporate and and things like that and um when Lauren how old were you when you did remote year do you mind if I ask I was 28 28 okay cool I think a lot of people in that age range um, or 27, like 27, 28. Yeah. I I think a lot of people want to do what you did, which essentially remote year is like four cities, four months, and you um, are with a group of people and you all, you know, travel to these four cities together and, uh, you you work remotely and you freelance and stuff like that and I basically I just think that a lot of people want to do that and they don't really know where to start so mm-hmm. um they also you know I think have listening to somebody's story where you know they're inspiring and and they had kind of like the cojones to go out and do it <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'll never forget when I quit and I was so sad to say goodbye to you but then you shortly after quit too so I was very proud but <laughs> <laughs> I did quit to do this. Yes. <laughs> so tell us about remote year, your experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So remote year has year long programs, four month programs, and now they have one month programs. And so basically it's a travel and work abroad program where you work remotely for your respective companies. So everyone works at whatever company they work for. You're not like working for remote year. Remote year is just the program. Mm. And in each city, there is a city team. So there's locals on the ground that guide you through the city and can be just like your your liaison into anything you want to do there. Um, There's a program leader who travels with you the entire time. And then um, what comes with remote year is your accommodations. You get 24 seven access to a local workspace in each city. And so that's where everyone would work from every day. And that was just so 
cool because that was a way you could meet local entrepreneurs, other people working remotely, starting their own businesses in a workspace. That was such a great way to connect with locals. And there's always events and, you know, networking things, happy hours, skills shares, workshops, all those types of things at, at these co-working spaces. And they're usually in the heart of the city and they're really like vibey and cool and um and then um also what comes with remote year is your travel in between places and so if you're on a multi-month program and there's flights in between that's included and then airport transportation so the city teams will pick you up at each airport and take you to your accommodations and then there's also um, like little activities that are included too so in each city you can choose from a few different types of activities to do so yeah, it was. I did the four month program. So I started in Cape Town and then I went to Marrakesh, Morocco, and then I went to Lisbon, Portugal, and then I went to Valencia, Spain, and then I traveled a little bit afterwards with my friends. We went to Greece and Croatia. So I did a four month program. It was about five months traveling in total. And it was so cool. We had a group of 50 people. There's about, I think that's the general amount of people on the year long and the four month programs. I think the month long programs might be a little smaller, but people from all walks of life, like Americans, Canadians, Australians. We had a girl from Singapore. We had a girl from um, Hong Kong, just people from all over the world and everyone has different work hours. And so in some of the cities, it was better for like the Australians and some of the cities it was better for the Americans with the work hours. Ooh. But, um, people from all walks of life, our age range was 19 to like 60. And I, I seriously thought everyone was going to be like early twenties. No, everyone was like mid thirties to forties. Like my best friends on the trip were in like turning 40 or like 41, 42. So it was all walks of life. And also not everyone was working. So as I said before, I, I quit my job, I quit my corporate job to do this because this was before remote work was in question. And it's really cool having done this in 2019 to see that that's how the world has shifted now. And so it was really cool to see what that life is like as kind of a digital nomad and to see the value in working remote. And now the world has changed to that might become the norm and it, it, that was just a really really cool thing to kind of to kind of see before covid happened yeah yeah you were really on the forefront of it it was i feel like pre covid to to do something like you did was was a lot more unusual and a lot more ballsy and took <laughs> a lot more courage because it just wasn't as you know, you were like very much ahead of the curve and stuff like that. And so I really seriously applaud you for having the courage to go out and you did you did freelancing for the most part, right? Like freelance design work. Right. So I, yeah, so I quit my job. So I was in between jobs. And so I was really working on, you know, building up my resume, working on my portfolio as a designer. It's really important to have a good portfolio. So just getting everything from my job into, into my portfolio and then starting to apply to new jobs, but also, yeah, freelancing. So I had a few freelance clients that I was working with to get a little bit of extra cash, but um, a lot of people were freelancing. There were there were people doing all different types of jobs, like engineering, marketing, um, you know, everything under the sun. And then there were some people that weren't working at all. There was we called them the ladies of leisure. I was one of them. I was a lady of leisure. I love that. <laughs> and I mean, I just I think it was a great opportunity for me when I was you know in between jobs. I was still networking. You know, we had a lot of networking events through remote year at the co working spaces and 
um, you can set up your interviews and start applying to jobs. And it's just mm. a great way to do that because you're also able to explore a city. And it was nice to have extra time, honestly, to be able to explore instead of working every day. So I do feel lucky with that. Absolutely. A hundred percent, Lauren. And I feel like I relate to what you're saying with once you've been in the workforce for like five or six years, especially if you're a creative, having five or six months off to just recalibrate and reconnect with yourself and build your portfolio and not to sound like a business cliched person, but like to rediscover your why and to kind of find a love for your craft again um, on your own time, like move with your body and flow with it is, is a really, really important. So um, Mm -hmm. that I think it's, it's really cool that you, you say that you weren't just, you know, grinding it out and working and concerned about paying for the program and stuff. You, you did what was right for you so that in the long term you didn't burn out. And then in the long term you had work that you were really proud of. Um, yeah. and that you knew would be like an investment in yourself and in your portfolio. Absolutely. And the, I think the most valuable part about remote year is the network. And so mm. no what city you're in, no matter what profession you're in, no matter what you're looking for, like we had, you know, remote year has a big Slack and everyone that's in remote years on Slack and we, there's a channel just for like job opportunities. So anything you're looking for, like you can probably find it through the remote year network and everyone's advocating for each other. Everyone's supporting each other, lifting each other up, connecting each other. So it was definitely not time wasted. Like you said, you know, you're investing in yourself. And I think, um, you know, when I on the job hunt or in between jobs, just sitting at home waiting for the next interview can get really depressing and frustrating. And so might as well do it while you're traveling, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 100%. And I, I love that you talk about how everybody really supports each other and builds each other up because I don't know if it's just me, but in the States and just, I don't know if it's a capitalism thing, not to like be that girl that rants about capitalism, but like everything feels like such a competition. And so to be in a situation where you're traveling together and you're all in good spirits and like you all want each other to win. And if say someone's working on a project and they need a graphic designer, you know, they know you and they'll bring you in and everybody's just there to, it seems like help each other out and they want to see each other. Like you want to all see each other succeed. Yes. It's, it's a professional program, right? It's not like people are just like fucking around all the time. Like people are there to, I mean, some people are, but (laughs) network and do their jobs and work. Like some people were, had crazy work hours. Like some people were working crazy hours every day and, and, you know, but in the workspace and then on the weekends, they'd have time to explore. And, you know, some people who weren't working, you know, were exploring all the time, but um, either way, I think it works for so many different types of people. And we even had a couple who are grandparents and they, you know, they're like retired and they just wanted to go like travel and meet people and have fun. And then there was, we had two girls that were in college and they did it instead of study abroad. Cause it was actually like less expensive than their college. But, wow. um, so it's just such a great, a great opportunity for all types of people. Okay. Amazing. And was, um, what was, I don't think we've talked really about like the approximate cost of remote year as well as if you know of any, if they do like scholarships or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So when I did it, I think it was like $2,000 a month. So for the four months, $8,000 total. 
which for people who live in like New York and San Francisco, that's probably cheaper than your rent. But for people <laughs> who live in a city where maybe that's more expensive than it, maybe it's a little bit pricier. Some people's companies paid for it though. So I would highly suggest pitching oh. it to your company because a lot of people's companies covered the cost of it because they were either like the guinea pig for it or um, it was an opportunity that the company was interested in and I think that's a really good way to go. Even even maybe like if they pay for half of it or something like that. Um, I think the price might have increased now since post-COVID, but it's I would say it's comparable to some people's rent. But for people who live in other countries, like it was probably more expensive for them because the U.S. is just pricey. So yeah, that makes sense, one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, yeah, living in New York, that is around the same as rent. So <laughs> it's less than my rent in San Francisco, for sure. I would like save money doing that. <laughs> yeah. So it's that. And then, you know, whatever else you want to spend your money on. So, um, you know, food, whatever else you shopping, um, side trips, mm-hmm. uh, flights to and from the first and last cities you have to pay for. But all the flights in between were covered. So, um so yeah, it, I, I would say um, you can probably, if you want to just like travel somewhere, you can probably do it cheaper on your own, like with a group of friends, maybe splitting an Airbnb, but the cost, the value and the cost here is the network and the activities and the support system and the co-working space, like having that access to the co-working space every day. The co-working space, that's true. Co-working, co-working spaces, I feel like can get so expensive. And actually, I mean, now I know a lot of companies that don't have their offices or like aren't going into office pay for uh, like a WeWork or something, a WeWork membership. So maybe with remote year, I feel like a lot of companies would be open to like allocating their budget into that because it's still a co-working space. You know, it's just remote. That's interesting. Okay, people, talk to your company, please. Check if you get a WeWork or if you get like, I, I interviewed with a company and they give you like an office stipend um so i mean yeah exactly yeah as long as you're working like american hours or you work something out and you get all your projects done and stuff like if you get an office stipend or sometimes i don't know companies even have like an education stipend i have no idea that would work but i don't know people have more finesse than i do yeah exactly any of those things and i think i sent you this article but pinterest just came out with pinflex which is like flexible work and there's a lot of companies that are doing um, work remote opportunities. So this would be perfect for that. Cool. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay, cool. I'll include the link to remote year in the show notes for this, um, for this podcast episode. So you can learn a little bit more. Yes. Oh, and Lauren, if you can like, uh, I don't know if you can refer people to the program, but if you have like a referral link, then I'll include that. Absolutely. And if anyone wants to talk about it more, any questions, I would love to connect with anyone who's interested and I could talk about it for days. So (laughs) guys, I told you she's the sweetest person you'll ever meet. Like seriously, Lauren's done so much in her life, more than many, like most people I know. So you are just, you're just so sweet. (laughs) I love travel any, anytime. Amazing. Um, okay. Uh, couple more things on remote year I'm just curious what was your favorite city slash country you went to as well as like what's kind of a crazy moment I I followed your Instagram this whole time so a few things come to mind um just based on memory but what's like a crazy or like just super fun memorable moment that you have from uh remote year 
Yeah. So I think, I mean, Cape Town is like wonderland. I mean, a month doesn't even scratch the surface in Cape Town. Oh my gosh. It was just, just a whole nother world and just so stunningly beautiful. Like the most beautiful sites I've seen for sure, I think were in Cape Town. And so I'd say that one just because it was so special. Mm. Um, As far as livability, I would say Lisbon is a very livable city. I have a lot of friends from my program on remote year who ended up moving there. And I have like five friends from my program now who just live there. And um, so I'd say livability as far as like city and work and similarity to the U.S. uh, Lisbon was great for that. And um, yeah, Cape Town was just like a beyond experience, a whole nother whole nother world of nature and um just the people and the history and just the location like being like so far away on the most southern tip was Mm -hmm. spectacular i think one of my most memorable experiences was going to victoria falls in on the border of zambia way and going there and crossing the border and there's baboons and and um doing this insane waterfall devil's pool which was terrifying it was the scariest thing i've ever done i can't even think about that lauren i remember seeing that photo and being like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen but also being like please don't die like i I thought i might die life flashing before my eyes i couldn't even take any cute pics because i was legit so scared like i was i don't even know what we were thinking so it's like one of those things that's like a touristy thing right so it's like devil's pool devil's pool but it was really gnarly like people (laughs) That was that was not your average tourist attraction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not fun for the whole family. This is not Six Flags, y'all. <laughs> not Six Flags, y'all. You don't have to stop. You are you have to swim. Like we like jump in. He's like, everyone can swim, right? And my friend was like, uh, like no. <laughs> upstream. <laughs> There's a waterfall beneath us. I was like, Do you know how many how many like feet high this waterfall is? It's everyone the- Google it because it's crazy. <laughs> like literally the biggest waterfall in the world I think like (laughs) like just they just swim there's this guy taking pictures of you just bouncing around on the edge of the waterfall like oh that was another Tuesday (laughs) just just a Tuesday on remote year (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was crazy Morocco's was also so so cool total culture shock Mm -hmm. love Morocco you've been you were in Marrakesh though right yeah, um, and then I went all over Morocco. I really, really loved the Alice Mountains. I loved Tangier. That was cool. I liked mm. that city a lot. And then we went to Fez. You went to Fez, right? I did go to Fez. And Fez, I only went to two cities in Morocco, but Fez was definitely my favorite. Yeah, Fez was cool. It's- First university in the world founded by a woman in Fez. It's, wait, say that again? What? It was like the oldest university in the world is in Fez, and it was founded by a woman. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And it's also the biggest walking, like, like pedestrian-only city. Remember, like, there weren't any cars in there? In Yeah, in the Medina. In the Medina, yeah. Wow. Okay, you're, like, full of all these facts. I'm just, I just, like, frolic around and eat fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you find fruit? I remember all the camel heads there and like the leather smell. It was kind of jarring. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's a very sensory experience um, when you're there. And especially being a woman in the Medina in Fez, mm-hmm. women traditionally aren't 
really allowed in into the Medina in uh in Fez and in Morocco so yeah uh known for leather so you can kind of smell the dyes you can smell the leather itself and there's a lot of little markets and things like that that have spices and you know nuts and jewelry and all of these things and it's it's quite loud but it's it's an amazing place because um you just you just have you just like soak it up and you have to be you have to be present and you have to um because there's there's just so much happening right like your your senses are just kind of um i didn't find it to be overloading but uh, just, it was just so beautiful. I don't know. That was not, that was not succinct, but (laughs) culture shock. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. We need to go back to Morocco to shop for house stuff because I (laughs) just finally have my own apartment. So I need a rug. I need a poof. I need all the things. I need everything from Morocco. Yes. The poofs and oh my gosh, the mint tea. I feel like you got back and you were like the mint tea in Morocco is just, I'm just craving it. It's the best. Yes, I totally was. Oh my gosh, so much sugar. It was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And uh, Valencia, what was Valencia like? Valencia's cool. It was a a lot more like family-friendly local uh, place in Spain. So not as many people that speak English. Definitely not as many tourists, which made it really special to, to be in a place that felt very local because Barcelona, Madrid, um, Sevilla, you know, all those places are very, very touristy. So Mm. I loved, I loved Valencia. Our co-working space there was really nice. It's a great place to raise a family. I have a friend there who just had another baby and I met her first baby when I was there. So family friendly and, um, yeah, it was, it was a very different vibe for us than, Lisbon, Morocco, and Cape Town, but kind of a calm, calmer city to end. Oh, so, oh, that was the last city. Lisbon wasn't the last city. It was Valencia. Right. Yep. That was the last city. Yeah. Okay. I bet it was kind of nice to to just kind of chill out a little bit in Valencia after um, being in such high energy yeah places that are just completely different from where you're from yeah we definitely started with a bang in Cape Town because it was <laughs> it was New Year's and it was summer there um below the equator so it was like January New Year's summer started off with a bang wow oh my gosh yeah I can't even I've never done winter in the southern hemisphere but that sounds amazing so crazy like being on the beach for New Year's usually I'm like in the snow yeah <laughs> Minnesota, you know. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, well, this is kind of a good segue into another part of the conversation that I wanted to talk about, which was um, just kind of like your travel style. And um, a question that kind of just was, was spurred right now was being in, in different countries where, you know, in, in Morocco, it's, it's Arabic and French and in Spain, it's in Spanish and uh, Portuguese and Portugal. And um how how did you find I know you had a lot of resources with remote ear and stuff like that but how do you find when you're traveling in other places you can communicate with other people if you don't speak the language and how can you like get create how did you do that and how did you get creative with communicating yeah well remote ear was so cool because we had so many people and so in each mm-hmm. if we were in a french-speaking place then the french speakers would shine if we were in the spanish-speaking place the spanish speakers would shine and so it was really cool to see everyone like 
be excited for the the place that they speak the language. But um, I mean, you know, English is the universal language. We never had a problem with that. Everyone speaks English. I feel like such a dumb American. I only have high school Spanish under my belt. I need to learn Spanish ASAP. So <laughs> really ever a problem with that. I think, you know, there's been places I, like when Kate and I were in Asia and and some of those places that there was more of a language barrier and some of the more like local towns that I've been to in like Italy and Greece, sometimes you don't have an English speaker, but that's the fun of it, right? Yeah, of course. And energy comes in handy, even like having conversations without speaking the language with someone, right? Like that's, that's the fun of travel. And so I would just say like, obviously like Google Translate, there's there, that app works great for, um, even translating menus and things like that but just always learning like hello and thank you like at least like at least just being respectful and coming in with the local hello and the local thank you versus hi thank you I I think that really goes a long way with locals Um, on remote year we have like a language and culture class in each place and so the city team will give us like a crash course in some of those phrases but I would say just, you know, using using the local language as much as you can. Like when I was in Japan, we would say like, konnichiwa, obrigado, gozaimasu, like, obrigado, gozaimasu, like, that's like, thank you. And they would be like, oh, you speak Japanese. Like, no, that's the extent of it. So even just that, like, they get so excited and it shows respect. Absolutely. Yes. I was just going to say that it, it shows a lot of respect. It shows that, you know, you're you're trying and you're not. I I have this thing where I think that if you, you know, if you go to a place and you expect them to adapt to you, that's like not the point of traveling at all. Yeah. Um, So absolutely. So important to, to learn basics, you know, hello, goodbye. Thank you. How are you? Um, And even just different, some, some different like formalities and stuff like that in each place. And that's just a simple Google search. Um, Mm -hmm. Love Google translate. What's nice is that if you're going to a, a different place and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have phone signal or something like that, you can actually download the language. And so it'll like download the entire or, you know, um, it'll download Spanish or it'll download French and a majority of, uh, of the words in each in English and um, as well as the other language. So definitely yeah. check into like downloading the language on Google Translate. Yeah, totally. It's always fun to try to talk to someone through Google Translate. It's like, it just makes it funny. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure I butchered that. I think it was origato, not obrigado. That's Portuguese. So that's that's how great I am with languages. <laughs> Lauren, I feel like you have like 12 languages that you speak. It's like one twelfth of each language and then they come together. <laughs> all of your friends that you have on the pods like that speak all these languages. I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> And your French. I need to step it up. Oh my gosh, my French is not very good. I met someone (laughs) from France the other day and he asked me like four times what I studied in school. And every time I was like, yeah, I studied three months ago or like three years ago. And he was like, what did you study? And I was like, oh, yeah, I studied in Lyon. And he's like, no, no, no. (laughs) What did you study? (laughs) (laughs) The easiest word in all of French and just completely butchered it. No, mon français n'est pas très bien, but we try. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, okay, one other one other thing that I think is super cool about Lauren, uh, because Lauren is she's so organized and intentional and travels with a purpose. I'm curious about where places you've traveled to for 
different cool like events or concerts I know you travel a lot for music so like Mardi Gras or St. Patrick's Day can you tell us a little bit about that yeah I think it's always a really great way to experience a place is if there's like a big local event happening so yeah I went to St. Patrick's Day in Dublin that was wild that was a lot more like touristy I think that local Irish people flee the city for that (laughs) Um, but you know, it's just an experience. And then, you know, there's Oktoberfest and, Mm. um, all those types of things. I think that's a really, a really great way to experience a place. Um, I went to the half moon festival in Thailand. They have full moon festivals and half moon festivals. Um, so you can, if you're ever thinking to go to Thailand, I would suggest looking up when that is, and then you can pair your trip with that. If you're into that kind of a thing, the half moon festival was in the jungle and the full moon parties are on the beach so just a little bit different but it's that's also like very touristy but um I've always wanted to go to Mexico City for Dia de los Muertos and so I'm going to do that this year which I'm really excited about and as far as like concerts I think I I mean I love music I love festivals I'm at the point in my life where I've been to like the same festival like many times like year after year and so now I'm like oh if there's an artist I want to see like let's look at their tour schedule and like make mm-hmm. a trip out of it like let's go see J Balvin in Puerto Rico like yes! let's oh my gosh can we actually <laughs> um yes like can we actually please yes <laughs> oh my gosh looks I'm literally looking up for his tour right now <laughs> That would be, like, too much fun. I think we would have too much fun. (laughs) We would have way too much fun. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, that would be great. So I think, yeah, especially for music. And, again, like, that's a great way to experience a local local parts of the city. Like, going to local music venues and seeing the city that way through music, I think, is also great. And then for, you know, cultural events, um, bigger things like that, there's so many of those types of things around the world. Parades and religious events, even holidays, like we were talking about Christmas. It's so cool to experience Christmas in a different place and see how other people around the world celebrate it. So I, I would always keep that in mind when booking a trip. That actually, Lauren, this gives me such an interesting idea. I want to talk to you about putting together like a blog post with a calendar of all sorts of different events that happen annually in different places, because I, maybe there's a resource like that, but I feel like people are going to be like, okay, well, Lauren, how do you know that Dia de los Muertos is in this month? Or how do you know that, you know, I mean, St. Patrick's Day, people just kind of know and whatever, but like the Half Moon, you know, festival, people don't really know that that exists. So where do you start? So I think that maybe be a cool resource. Yeah, I love that idea. Definitely. No, that's really smart. And you know, then there's always also the times that you'll be somewhere and you don't know about something going on. And then all of a sudden, there's this like crazy parade or bull <gasps> run. <laughs> yes, that's like that. Serendipitous. That happened to me in Venice. I was in Venice, Italy in February. And it was the first time I'd ever gone to Europe. Um, and it carnival was happening. And <gasps> it was awesome. <laughs> Oh, cool. That's actually so cool in Venice, but probably really <laughs> wild, right? It was. It was. Um, there were just people that were dressed up and, you know, had the the really intricate eye masks on and people were dancing in the street and every, I, you know, I didn't really know what it was. I, it was the first time I kind of had ever really traveled a lot outside of the United States and crossed an ocean. Mm-hmm. Um it was super fun. I think I want to go to Brazil this yeah. year to do Carnival where it like started. Yeah. I think that would be so cool. Like bucket list, like a total bucket list thing. 
Yeah, so February, if you're free and you want to go to Brazil. I would love to go to Brazil. That's got to be a dream place on the list. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Do you, do you have, like, a favorite? Okay, so going back to Thailand with the Half Moon and the Full Moon Fest, um, I didn't know that it was jungle and beach, which is super. Does, so this happens, like, on a monthly basis then? And does it, where is it everywhere in Thailand or just kind of, like, I feel like the south kind of islands? Is it's, there things that happen? I don't know. Yeah, it's in Koh Samui, so one of the islands. And so you go to, um, let's see, we did Bangkok, Phuket. So I think you find a Phuket and then you take, like, a ferry out to the islands. And then there's also Koh Phi Phi, which is a beautiful island. Um, this is, like, backpacker's paradise. So this is, like, backpacker party hostel vibes for sure like the the half moon and the full moon festivals are like ravey parties in the jungle you put on like neon face paint you know that kind of a thing so kind of kind of a bucket list item and um definitely like touristy not like a a local just ceremonial festival by any means but I love to celebrate the moon so (laughs) All good vibes coming from the moon. She radiates. <laughs> yeah. And then I would say, like, if you want to specifically do, like, the full moon party, which is, like, the really famous one, that one's on the beach. So just making sure you pair your trip to, along um, alongside that. And then we, we happened to be there for the half moon. So that one was in the jungle. Wild night. <laughs> okay. And it's, it's just one night. It's not, like, a weekend or something like that. Yeah. It's, like, one night party. But I think that the the times that those parties happen it probably gets a lot more crowded okay yeah that makes sense it was cool yeah it was kind of like sad though like the full moon beach like we saw it after the fact and it was just trashed so it's kind of one of those things that you feel kind of like bad about you know like but yeah riding elephants there like I just felt like weird about it I'll never do that again right yeah like the ethics of it and stuff yeah that's that's something that's kind of been bothering me or coming up in, in travel and stuff like that is, I mean, there, there are so many things that you see photos of and it looks so beautiful and fun and stuff like that. But I don't know, even, uh, even flying places and, you know, the carbon emissions from that. And, oh, that's a whole, that's a whole other situation. And I, you know, that will be addressed, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to see. I wonder if there's like volunteer groups or something like that that you can be part of to clean up the beach after. And Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see that in a lot of places around the world. A couple of other things. Let's see. Do you typically, when you're planning for a trip, do you typically plan it like pretty far in advance? Um, as well as, uh, do you, are you more of like an Airbnb or like hostel kind of a person? What are, what's kind of like your travel style? So I like to book my flights and my accommodations ahead of time. And then once you're there, you can kind of figure out what you want to do day by day. I'll have like a general idea of like the main sites you have to see if it's like a big city I've never been to and you have to hit all the tourist spots. Like I'll have a list of those, but 
I definitely like to have my accommodations and my flights and my transportation booked before I go so that I have like that sort of plan. Because what I saw when I was backpacking was there are a lot of people that go with the flow, do whatever, but they ended up spending a lot of time and hours during the day booking stuff. And so it was kind of a waste of time in the end because like during the day, if we would go out and do something there'd be people at the hostel like oh I have to book I have to find accommodations for tonight right so it kind of yeah. becomes a scramble mm -hmm. so I would say yeah, I like to travel that way and then um, I've found that you don't really have to book most of your like tours and activities ahead of time if it's like a big thing like safari in Africa or like you know like a museum that's really popular or something like that like the Anne Frank Museum you might want to book those things ahead of time but True. if it's like a day trip or like a, a little tour I always Think it's better to do that when you're at the place because you know it can be weather dependent like the weather could be bad the day you booked it or you could meet friends that are doing something else that you want to do that day instead um, and then a lot of times like the concierge at the hotel or like the hostel front desk will know of really cool stuff or maybe a local will know of something that's better than what you've seen in the brochures so i would say like leaving the space for for the day-to-day -day once you're there but booking the 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 transportation and accommodations before yeah so the essentials having booked and then kind of going with the flow once you get there like you said there might be you might meet some people and they might do something that's really cool or you might get a better price on something when you get there I love that I love going just going with the flow and exactly what you just described yeah, sometimes I, yeah, I don't think it's really mu makes much of a price difference. Like sometimes if you book online, it could be maybe there's a deal. But even if you get to the place and they tell you that you can still book it online that day or something, but you don't want to like book something and then it's raining that day. So you lose all your money or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really good tips. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, I like to leave the end to kind of just do some lightning round questions. So I thought of some specifically for you. The first is what is a country that you would suggest a solo traveler, particularly maybe a female solo traveler would start when it came to um, just like traveling by themselves if it was they're like a first timer? I would say, I mean, if you're like I would say start with like a big city in your own country so like if you're in America maybe New York right or like maybe mm. some you know start there and if you can handle New York you can handle anything <laughs> <laughs> but then like beyond that I would say like London and the UK is really good because it's really similar it's English speaking it's an easy flight it's safe um, I think like the big cities are probably most ideal for solo travel because it's concentrated it's easy to get around you can use public transportation and it's it's generally pretty safe so I would say maybe like starting with a city in your country and then maybe going like the UK and London I went to you know Ireland Scotland I think those would be good places too and then Portugal would also be a good one okay yeah, I agree with that. I think that's really good advice. And there's good public transportation there as well. And the language thing definitely um, kind of helps you ease into it. So love that. Yeah, it's a really good ease into it city for sure. Love it. Um, do you have a, a travel moment that comes to mind that can be like funny or life changing or just something that you look back on really fondly? I mean, so many. All right. That could be a whole yes. podcast. It's like <laughs> Oh my hard to choose we definitely have to have a podcast just about like travel stories but yes one like super special one was when my sister and I were in Thailand and we were like walking on the street 
we were in Bangkok and there was this really pretty piece of art um, that of like a local street artist was selling. And uh, at, when we're backpacking, we're on a budget, like a big budget. And so um, the piece was like very expensive, at least from the context of how we had been living. But in reality, it was like $80, right? Like, but like in Thailand, like that's like the most expensive thing we would have bought. Yeah. And so we like walked by and we're looking at it and he's telling us the price and we're like, oh, it's so pretty. But like, I don't, I don't know. It's expensive. So we had just like keep walking and he's really sad and then you know we get a few blocks away and then Kate was like you know what no like I loved that art piece like let's go back and get it and yeah. we're like then we like walk back and we like come back and we're like okay it's sold and he the little artist he was this tiny man was over the moon excited he like gets up he's jumping for joy he lifts my sister up who's like oh I call as him and <laughs> her around and we just made his day and just like made probably fed his family for a week, you know? And so, and I still have it. I'm looking at it right now. I love it. It's one of my favorite pieces of art I have. And so I would just say like the learning from that is just remember, like, even when you're in a budget and you're trying to travel cheap, like in the context of, of where you live, if, if it's something that you're going to love and want forever and something that'll really support a local, I would say go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, the money will always come back. That's something that I've learned in life is that, like you said, if if you're putting energy into something that that you love, like she clearly loved this painting, the money will come back. That's just yeah. how it works. <laughs> yeah. And I still, I, to this day, I have regrets of things that I wanted to buy and I didn't. And so now I'm trying to like, I do like try to shop more when I'm traveling. But if you're backpacking, it's kind of hard. I mean, this was like a scroll, like we could scroll it up. So it was like a small little thing that we could take with us. But yeah. um, ugh, I'm still think I still dream about this perfume in Capri, Italy that smelled like lemons that I didn't buy. And I wish I did. <laughs> oh my gosh, send me the name of it. I, next I time. you're probably gonna be there before me. But if I go to Italy, I'll buy it and send it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, next time we got to buy it. And so seize the day, Carpe Diem, buy, buy that perfume, buy that art. <laughs> I love that. And especially, this, this is like travel tip that my friend actually told me about. He was like, when I travel, if I want to bring something home, I will only get flat things. Because if you're mm -hmm. moving, or if you're if you're just traveling or say you need to sell all of your things or something like that, something that's small and flat, easily transportable, um, that's kind of, they're usually pretty, you know, sometimes inexpensive, sometimes not, but those are usually things that are, that are easy to, to take with you. So yes. Uh, yeah. Or perfume, but perfume is, I feel like just a different level. If you find a <laughs> perfume that you love, it's like, Oh God, it's over. <laughs> If you're checking bags, for sure. If you're carrying on, don't let them throw that away at the airport. <laughs> True. Buy like roll-ons. Buy a roll-on version or something like mm. that. That's under the 100 milliliters, three ounces. Smart. Um, and then the last one, uh, do you have what's like top of your list for the next spot? Or do you have any? I know you have Mexico City coming up, but what's like top of your list right now? Yeah, so Mexico City is definitely top of my list. I was supposed to go. Um, I had flights and then COVID hit in 2020. So I had to cancel it. So I've been dying to get there. Finally, I'm going to get there this, this um, November. I'm so excited. And then I also really, really want to go to Seoul. I've been meaning to get to South Korea. Um, I, I want to go there really bad. And also, I would love to go to Argentina and stare at all the beautiful men. <laughs> those are my dream destinations right now 
you know, stare at trees, eat delicious food, stare at gorgeous tall men. Yeah. Yeah. Like a beautiful people trip, I guess. Like yeah. <laughs> beautiful men tourism. We all have our motivations. <laughs> that's so funny oh my gosh I'm deceased I'm so glad that you're going to Mexico City and I really I really want to meet up with you I'm gonna just totally crash your party yes and I don't know if I mentioned but it's gonna be a remote year I want to do the month-long remote year program so I'll be there for a month working remotely and finally getting to experience that city Uh, I'm so excited oh my god I love that for you and for Dia de los Muertos that's gonna be so nice yes so haunting and fun um you haven't asked me my country count oh my gosh ha (laughs) okay usually I do this at the very beginning of the podcast but I was just so thrilled to get into the conversation I know Lauren um drum roll please what is your country count okay I did my country count last night for the first time because I hadn't done it yet and so I'm so glad that you made me do it my country count is 32 which is my favorite number so when I counted it I was beyond I was floored I was like no way it's my favorite number wait but question we manifested that do layovers count I count layovers if you leave the airport and are there for more than like four or five hours yeah that makes sense okay because I've done a layover in Dubai but we didn't leave the airport so that doesn't count so yeah still 32 okay yeah my favorite 32 manifested it you're right serendipitous I love that that's so much fun 32 her favorite number it's just I was saying it's an omen that she needs to go to the next country and find a beautiful man (laughs) oh yes and I love that you um I just love that you had me on because I, I whipped out my old travel journal that I took with me on my backpacking trip and It's so fun to look back through. I would say like my number one tip for people traveling is write it down, like write down what you did. And like, I got really detailed with it. Like I I wrote like play by play, like funny stories and stuff, but even like just write down like the hotel you went to, like when you get back from your day, just write down the hotel where you ate lunch. It can be so simple because it sparks so many memories that you would have never remembered. Like there's so many days that I'm looking at in here that I would have not remembered had I not written it down. So um, don't make it a chore, but it's so important. That's so smart. And it, uh, for me, when I write things down, I, I need to be like you and get into a future me will love looking back at this and seeing where I stayed and who I met and the amazing, even, even if you write down the dish that you tried, because then you can maybe try making it yourself or, yeah, you know, yeah, that's so smart. I love that. And then I even have a section called characters, the characters. And it was characters. all the people we met. <laughs> characters in the plot that is your main character. character energy life story of Lauren. Just hilarious. And then I have like the post-trip thoughts. It's really cool to like look back and and see all those things. And I did I did have travel blogs while I was um, traveling too, which is great. But some I didn't catch, I didn't like finish or catch up with the last one, which was kind of sad but I would say if you have that mindset to definitely blog definitely write definitely journal yeah Lauren you should put together you should design a travel journal that's kind of like a rough outline and you should sell it because it'd be so beautiful and so thoughtful I would love that let's collab 
Let's collab. <laughs> I low love times low. Lauren and Lauren collab. <laughs> oh my goodness. Actually, might do that. Um, the wheels are turning. Yes. Um, awesome. So this I kind of just wrapping things up. We covered a lot of ground here, but if people want to follow your adventures or ask any questions, are you open to giving your Instagram where people can find you? Absolutely. I'm at Lobesh, L-O-B-E-C-H. And then I have like a travel photography color palette Instagram called Palettes in Place at P-A-L-E-T-T-E-S in place. Um, so you can follow me there too. And then uh, on, on my Instagram bios, I have my links to my old travel blogs that are probably pretty funny to read <laughs> years later still relevant though I'm sure you include a bunch of like really cool places and stuff and not to be missed spots yes yeah I would love to talk to anyone about remote year I mean the reason I first got uh, interested in remote year was my friend did it so um, I'm always happy to pass on that knowledge amazing you're so generous thank you so much and I will include uh, Lauren's Instagram in the bio or in the show notes of this podcast as well as a link to the remote year website um, but thank you Lauren honestly so much I cannot reiterate enough how much I've looked up to you and how much you've inspired me when it comes to travel and hopping on here and talking about your experiences I'm sure that that will translate to many other people so thank you so much for being on Thank you so much for having me. Merci beaucoup. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, Bella. Bye. Bye.